This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. This is the K-pop band BTS. I'll tell you, I, I really have enjoyed quite a few of the K-pop songs that I've heard uh, from a number of groups, including BTS. But you're about to meet someone whose enthusiasm for K-pop in general and BTS specifically it dwarfs any enthusiasm that I've ever had for anything in my entire life. Where to begin with Ollie London? Ollie London is uh, an internet personality, a singer, and, uh, unless I'm misstating it, a transracial social media influencer. And I am just thrilled that they have uh, joined me in studio. Ollie, it's great to see you again. It's so great to see you again, Frank. It, it certainly it certainly has been. Um, let me say in advance, if I use any incorrect term, it is not being done uh, through. Uh, it's not being done to be offensive or anything like that. I'm it's chilled just, out. Honestly, cool. I'm All not right, one great. of those people that Love gets it. upset easily. I'm very chilled out. Now, yeah. um, you are non-binary, correct? Yeah, but, you know, I, I don't mind what people call me. I actually ask people to call me my Korean pronouns as they call Ian. You know, most people want to be called they, them. I'm like, no, I just want to be Korean. You know, I I think a lot of our audience skews a little bit older, and the whole Mm. idea of uh, non-binary when it comes to gender is something that's a very new concept uh, Mm -hmm. for a lot of folks. And interestingly with you, that is one of the least controversial aspects of uh, of your whole persona. Mm. But uh, explain to me um, uh, how one decides to become uh, non-binary. How does that work? I don't know. It was just like I was so confused about who I am and stuff. And I guess I have identity issues. Well, that's what Bill Mayer said on his show the other day about me. He said, I've definitely got identity that's issues. That's pretty cool, though, to be mentioned, I even mean, if it's critical. It's, it's cool. I, I do Mar. like the Bill Mayer show. I think it's cool. Um, I was, yeah, a little bit upset by what he said about me. But, you know, he's he's a comedian. I get sure. it and stuff. Um, but, no, it's just uh, I struggle with identity. I've had surgery. I've changed my life to become Korean. And I was like, you know... I'm a guy, I identify as a guy, so people can call me he, him, whatever, but I just, like, I also want to be identified as Korean, you know, because I've lived in Korea, I love the culture, I've had 20 surgeries to look Korean, I make K-pop music, um, so I've been learning the language, so it's kind of like a kind of interesting mix. You, you said a mouthful there, and for people <laughs> that are not familiar with you, and I know we mm. have a lot of your fans listening, and we're grateful to, to have them listening, I want to follow up on a few of the different things there. The one thing about... Uh, the non-binary uh, culture that that I do find a little bit confusing. You talked about your own confusion in terms of uh, of gender and uh, and ethnicity and other things. Is th- when you use the term they or them instead of he or she, um, it, it does become a little difficult to understand whether somebody is referring to a plural 
mm-hmm. of a person versus not. How do you how does one avoid confusion when it comes to plurality and using the terms? You no, know, like I don't really use those plurals. I just you know people call me he him whatever. But I I actually you know ask people to call Ian. You know put a put a dash in the middle, call Ian. You know make it Korean. But yeah, they them is like. It, I find it confusing as well because it's, you know, normally it would be plural, like Good. a group of people or two people and stuff. But, you know, I respect people, whatever they want to be. If someone wants to identify as an animal, go for it, you know, as long as you're not hurting anyone. Now, um, you you were born in the UK, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you, you were raised in the UK. Mm-hmm. And then you end up uh, living in Korea uh, beginning when you were how old? So I was in Korea in 2013. So I don't really like to say my age, but I was 23. So you did the math. Okay, yeah. fair, fair enough. So <laughs> uh, you starting when you were in your 20s, you mm-hmm. uh, were living in South Korea in a program to teach uh, students English. Right. So I was um, teaching at an elementary school um, English, and um, I picked up a lot of the Korean language while I was there, and I had such an amazing experience. And it was that experience that changed me as a person. It's I'd never really thought about Korea. I'd always loved the history. But when I was there, I just fell in love with the culture. And, you know, it's like anyone that goes to a different country, maybe you live there for a few years, you just fall in love. And I just identified with that culture more than my own. So I was like, yeah, I want to be Korean. Why not? What sparked your initial decision to move to or to live in South Korea to begin with? Before you made the decision to undergo this transformation, what made you decide, let me try South Korea? You know, it was so random. So I love traveling. I've worked in different countries. Um, when I was younger, I worked in New Jersey and Ethiopia and Africa doing a charity project. And I literally just Googled one day. I was like working abroad and a career came up. So you were a world traveler. You liked yeah. it, your adventure. You liked traveling. Yeah. And I literally just Googled one day and career came up. I was like, okay, that could be interesting because um, I love Korean history. So, yeah, it, it happened. I went there and I was on an island called Jeju, which is like Hawaii. Super tropical, super nice, and it was just, it was a life-changing experience, you know, wherever I was, everyone was, like, beautiful, and everyone was nice, and I was like, why can't I look like that? Then I started having surgery, and then it's kind of, maybe it's become a little bit of an addiction since then, I can't seem to stop, but hey. Before we get to the uh, surgical transformation, what is it about South Korean culture that you were so taken with, so impressed with, and wanted to be such a part of? I mean, South Korea really has the full package. So you have the music, the K-pop, which I know you're just playing BTS. Um, and I know you're a fan as well of them. Um, but uh, yeah, it's got the music, the Korean dramas, the culture, the food. I just found the people as well, the sweetest people um, in the world. They were so kind, so friendly, so welcoming. I just felt very accepted. But yeah, Korea really has everything, you know, the entertainment, the the nightlife, the the travel, they've got mountains, they've got places to go skiing, and they've got tropical islands. It was just like, for me, I felt like I was in heaven. It was like being in paradise. In terms of the food, you don't find that Korean cuisine uses too much kimchi? You know, it's really difficult for me because I'm actually, like, vegan, so I can't really eat much. They do like their seafood in Korea, but the kimchi, yeah, kimchi's in a lot of things, and some people even have it on, like, toast. Some people have it for breakfast and i don't really do that i do have it for with like uh you can have kimchi pancake kimchi fried rice but it's a very acquired taste so for anyone listening that's not tried it like just be prepared it's a little bit spicy it's like pickled cabbage it's a bit unusual but you know i i love it and it's great for the skin as well <laughs> is that true 
It actually is. It's really good for your immune system, for the body, and it makes the skin glow. Have you been to our Koreatown here in uh, in Manhattan? Of course. I was there yesterday and the day before. And what's your take on the culture in Koreatown, whether it's the cuisine or the karaoke joints or the people? What's your take on Koreatown? I mean, it's so fun. It's obviously not the same as being in Korea because it's obviously more Americanized, but it's uh, it's great. You know, it's a great vibe. I went for lunch yesterday with my friend um, Alia, and then I went the night before to this really cool bar had all the k-pop music i just love the vibe you know everyone that goes there has fun there's no attitude everyone's like friendly the music's great you get to meet people you know korean people and they're always very friendly and they're always very accepting of me you know people seem to have a thing online you know trolls they think oh you really offend korean people but no every korean person i meet they like love what i do and they appreciate me Loving their culture. Oh, we're talking with uh, Ollie London, an internet personality, singer, and uh, transracial uh, social media influencer. Tell me about your fondness for K-pop music and uh, your enthusiasm for K-pop music. What makes K-pop music so special? I mean, I think everyone knows what K-pop is, but at this point, you know, thanks to the last few years, we've had BTS, and there's been so many groups that have broken in America. You've got Blackpink, you've got uh, Monster X, uh, uh, super M. There's just so many groups at the moment. And uh, K-pop is just like the performance is perfection. It's like the way they look, the way they dance, the way they sing, the styling. And also it's so positive. Like when you listen to a K-pop song, there's no profanity. It's all like very uplifting. Mm. And it's like it's, it, you know, I feel like K-pop is a positive influence and positive role model for people around the world. And it also connects people, you know, from any country no, whatever language you speak, like, you know, I can't fully understand Korean, but just listening to the songs makes me happy. You don't need to understand the lyrics to enjoy it and stuff. And I just think, yeah, K-pop is a very uplifting thing. It's super catchy as well. Um, um, I've made a few K-pop songs myself and I, you know, always focus on making the chorus have a hook. You know, it's got to get stuck in someone's head, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, like you want it to stay in someone's head. So not only does it sound good, it sound good, but it, and it's upbeat, but it's got a positive message generally. Right. I mean, you know, you have obviously hip hop and R&B and that can have profanity in it. And sometimes the music videos aren't great for a younger audience, whereas K-pop is super innocent. It's, you know, the lyrics are normally about love or something positive, something inspiring, like about making it uh in the world so i just yeah i just feel like it's it's very positive let's discuss your decision to become transracial now i think a lot of people can empathize with almost everything you've said thus far uh mm -hmm. be, falling in love with a another country's culture the cuisine the music the people i, I think you know you've alluded to the fact that you've had 20 surgeries to look uh korean now mm -hmm. how does one decide to make that decision to have surgery mm -hmm. to look like another ethnic group? Hmm. Yeah, it was a long process for me. I mean, again, it really goes back to when I lived in Korea. So I'd never, I'd always wanted, you know, to change myself. I was never happy with the way I looked, but I never necessarily wanted to be Korean. It was just like being in Korea. When you look at people like the billboards, the TV shows, everyone has this look. It's like this, you know, a K-pop idol look. And I was like, I would love to look like that. I was so unhappy. I had a big nose and I didn't like my eyes. So it was like, that's really where it developed. So it just purely developed. I just wanted to change my looks and improve my image. And then, then I just, you know, started to become a little bit addicted um, and have quite a few more procedures. And uh, yeah, then I was just like, the last few years, I've just been so in love with Korean culture. I watch all the TV shows, learn the language, uh, cook Korean food, uh, hang out with my Korean friends. And I was like, I actually feel Korean. You know, I don't 
you know, I love my country, the UK and stuff, but I don't feel British. Hmm. You know, when I'm around Korean people, I feel like, I don't know, I just feel like I belong there. I feel like I'm at home, whereas I don't feel like that when I'm in London. It's it's a weird feeling. I'm sure you're aware that uh, some of the criticism that's been leveled towards you involves charges of cultural appropriation. And uh, we've seen this uh, with other people as well. Uh, The most notable example in here in the United States was uh, Rachel Dolezal, Mm -hmm. who, in spite of being the head of an NAACP uh, branch and passing herself off as African-American, was actually was actually white. What do you say uh, to the charges and the criticisms of cultural appropriation? You know, I think we live in the modern times and we embrace all cultures. You know, our clothes may be inspired from, you know, another country. Maybe we have a, a silk jacket that's inspired by Chinese traditional print. Um, So, you know, we live in a multicultural society. We live, uh, you know, we're in New York right now. It's a multicultural city. You have so many different people living here from all over the world. And, you know, we should be embracing that. You know, we shouldn't be categorizing, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. You know, we should just be, you know, appreciating other cultures, appreciating the style you know, as long as we're not doing something to purposely offend people, you know, and people seem to think, oh, I'm super offensive. But when, you know, I actually speak to Japanese, Korean people, Chinese people, they really like think, oh, it's fascinating what I do. Like the fact that I love uh, Asian culture so much, they appreciate it. But yeah, cultural appropriation is like, it's obviously a thin line. That's normally when you purposely want to offend someone. And that's not my intention. It never has been my, you know, um, my thing is just I appreciate the culture so much to a kind of crazy level like mm. you know it does sound a bit crazy with all the things i've done but um you know it's i i just makes me happy and i like giving back to the asian community and you know at the moment i'm trying to also raise awareness and stop asian hate um so i did go to the un today to present a petition but it's closed because of covid mm. but you know i just i just want to you know i don't i'm not appropriating any culture i'm appreciating it and i'm trying to give back at the same time one of the things that uh, we always hear from the time that we're children is that uh, people should be happy with who they are, uh, whether you're short, whether you're blonde, whether you're uh, thin, whether you're heavy, uh, whatever the case may be, uh, learn to not just accept but love who you are. What you've done in getting 20 different surgeries to look different, does that send – now, you have a, a massive following online and elsewhere. Does does see, Does your – transition uh and through 20 different surgeries does that send a poor message to people in general and children specifically that no um you know you shouldn't be accepting who you are you should be willing to transform into something different i mean my message has always been you know just do what makes you happy so i never go out there and encourage you know young people to get plastic surgery because that's you know, it's a very difficult decision and I wouldn't want someone to rush into that, you know, and suddenly see an influencer, you know, and think, OK, I want to do surgery to look like him. I'm not, you know, I'm not about that. I've done it because it's, you know, it's something very personal to me. It makes me happy, makes me confident. And I just, I, you know, I share my journey online. I share my whole life online and stuff. Um, but, you know, I, I don't want to encourage young people, you know, because everyone is beautiful in their own way, regardless of uh, what we look like, you know. We're all beautiful, but I feel like it's all about a confidence thing. So maybe some people inside, they have never felt confidence, um, you know, and, and they just want to make a change. And I would always uh, support that. You know, I'd always support uh, people doing what makes them happy the most. Um, but, you know, it's there's there's so much influence out there. Maybe I'm one of the people, but like there's people like Kim Kardashian and people want to emulate that. So mm-hmm. people will get a surgery to look like that. And 
I'm not saying that, you know, I love Jimin. I've had surgery to look like him, but I'm doing it for me, I'm not doing it, you know, to try and influence the world. It's just I like to share my kind of personal journey with everyone. Uh, now, the uh, individual you just mentioned, Jimin. 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 Jimin is a K-pop star. He's mm -hmm. part of that band, BTS, that we began the segment with. Uh, you you've described publicly how you've tried to look like him. And you're right. We do see this not just with Kim Kardashian, but a lot of other celebrities. How does Jimin feel about the the transition that you've undergone to look physically more like him? I feel like he'd be flattered. I mean, I did try to meet him once. Dr. Phil did ask him if he'd come on a show and see me, but um, he said he was busy. Um, well, his management said he was busy, but I'm, you know, I think I'm going to meet him at some point, but I don't know. Maybe he'd find it a little bit weird. I mean, who knows? Um, no, I, I don't know if he would find it weird, but, um, I'm sure he's a bit flattered that there's someone that loves him that much. They go to that extreme. And now, um, you are very much a public persona as a musician, as a social media influencer, as somebody that uh, documents, uh, almost every aspect of your life on, uh, on online, Instagram and TikTok and elsewhere. There are going to be some very cynical people out there, and we have a lot of cynical New Yorkers mm -hmm. listening, that say that you might go through all this just for greater attention and to build a greater uh, following for yourself. What do you say to that criticism? I've had that criticism before, and I would just say, like, do you people seriously think that someone will go through pain? You know, having surgery is not exactly fun. You have to have a six-week downtime between each surgery. Like, I've had really painful procedures like liposuction, the eye surgery. That's a lot of pain, you know. Why would someone do that, you know, for attention? Like, I, I just, I'm just a very open book, you know. I like to share my life online. I like to share my love of K-pop, Korean culture. I like to speak Korean on my TikToks and try and teach people. I like to share my music. So I'm just, you know, an open book. I share my life. But, uh, you know, I haven't done all this for attention. I Obviously, I get a lot of attention and, uh, you know... I just like to, you know, use my platform while I've got it to promote what I love, which is uh, K-pop. Well, you also have, uh, you're not just a fan of K-pop music, but you've uh, recorded a lot of your own songs, some of which uh, have been quite popular. This is a little bit of uh, Ollie London singing uh, their own song. You know, I'm not used to hearing a lot of K-pop Christmas music, mm. and uh, this was a first for me. Uh, was is there a lot of K-pop Christmas music? There's a few a few songs came out last year. There's not really much, but they're starting to do it more now. But surprisingly, like this was actually my most popular song ever. Really? I mean, it's had like thirty thousand videos on TikTok using this song. It's like literally, I think it's got like three point two million views or something. But like, even whatever month of the year, people want me to sing that song. Like, I'm on Cameo. I'm always having to sing that song. Like uh, people seem to love it, even though it's about Christmas. They just they just love it. So I was quite surprised and taken aback by that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I thought let me make a song for Korea to celebrate. They don't really celebrate Christmas that much, but I was like, let me give them some festive spirit and give back to them and try and make them smile, make them laugh, and uh, they seem to love it. If people want to uh, get, hear some of your music, what's the best way for them to hear it? Um, so I have a YouTube channel, which is uh, Ollie London, so all my music videos are on there, and I've got Spotify and iTunes as well, so yeah, all my songs are on there. So that's O-L-I London, they could search that on mm -hmm. YouTube, and that uh, that comes right up. 
There's also been some criticism of you that uh, the transition that you're undergoing and uh, the uh, way that you have referred to yourself as transracial could actually be harmful to the transgender community. So you're getting it from all angles. You're getting criticism from everybody. What do you say to that criticism that uh, what you're doing is harmful to the transgender community? That's probably the biggest thing I get on Twitter. I mean, I get attacked so much by kind of trans activists. um, And I just think, you know, they should be a bit more understanding after what they've been through personally. You know, I support all people. And obviously, they've obviously had to go through the emotion of transitioning and changing and, you know, uh, chopping parts up and changing things and stuff. So it's like, how how are they to judge me? You know, they've probably been bullied a lot. They've probably struggled. Like, how can they judge me? You know, I'm in the same category as them. I'm someone that uh, struggles with identity issues. I've had surgery to change. Uh, you know, I identify as transracial. Like, why would why should they judge me? You know, because you know I could judge them, but I don't. You know, I I support them. I support all people, but I just feel like that particular group they can be quite um quite hateful to people that um don't share their worldview, which is, uh, you know, it's very sad. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, we hear a lot about South Korea culturally these days, but when it comes to the geopolitical scene, we've heard a great deal about North Korea. What do uh, the South Korean people that you interacted with when you were living there and in the subsequent conversations that you've had with them online, how do they feel about North Korea's place in the international community, and what do you think about uh, kind of North Korea being a, a bit of an international pariah? So I've actually visited the uh, demilitarized zone. Um, it was quite fascinating just to look over the border because you look through these binoculars, and there's literally ghost towns. They just have facades of buildings, so it's it's a very bizarre um, place. But generally in Korea, Kim, you know, Kim's crazy. He's always firing missiles here, there, and everywhere. Sure. And the Koreans, they don't really take any notice you know they don't pay attention i think kim just does it to get the attention of the united states and you know china whatever like they just don't pay attention you know they're never worried about him shooting a missile because his missiles they just go into the sea anyways obviously not got a good aim but like um they, they really don't care about it and um the, they don't lie awake at night no, worried about a new korean no they just think like you know kim's uh crazy and just ignore him but the interesting thing is they they have built a train station near the border um, that stops just before North Korea. And uh, it's like, it's bizarre. You go into a train station that says Pyongyang, the next train, and there's no time. So they do want to reunify the country, and that train is ready for the day when they reunify, and uh, you know they'll make the track into North Korea. Do you, so, do you think we'll ever see a Korean unification in your lifetime? Um, you know, I don't know what my thoughts are on that, because it's obviously a very contentious issue, and obviously it used to be one country, you know, until the Korean War. So I wouldn't necessarily give my opinion on that, but I I, I think you know um, I don't know what Koreans think about it, but I know it's a possibility, but not obviously with Kim Jong Un because um, and his family because mm-hmm. you know they're authoritarian, they're just you know obviously not mentally stable, they're very crazy and stuff, and um, you know if if one day the North Korean people rise up, or if there's another political issue that will change the system, you know then there's certainly a possibility. Uh, I met you last year. We had a, a good time. We met for drinks and uh, got caught up. And then I, since then, I became quite a, a follower of all your various public going public goings on on social media and elsewhere. And you can imagine my surprise and my disappointment mm-hmm. when I learned on Instagram that you were dead. It was actually reported on Instagram yeah. that you were dead yeah. and your Instagram page became a memorial page. And here you are, you're as alive as I Thank am, God. if not more so. How did you end up being dead on Instagram? 
Well, I couldn't believe that actually happened. Like, I didn't even know that was a thing. So basically, I get trolled all the time. So I've had my TikTok taken down seven times, and then it always gets put back up and stuff. So I literally get targeted all the time. I've had my Twitter. There's so many people attempt to hack my Twitter. But yeah, the Instagram, I literally woke up one day, and every time I wake up, I just check Instagram, what's going on, look at the stories and stuff. And I couldn't log on. So I tried to log on. I thought, okay, someone's hacked my account. And then it literally said... Uh, I couldn't log on or something as a problem. So then I Googled my Instagram and it said something about in memorandum, which means you're dead. And that's obviously a thing that Instagram introduced um, over the last few years, you know, for accounts that want to stay at the families, want to keep the account up to honor the memory. So, yeah, I couldn't log in for 24 hours. And then I was like, I had so many calls from my family and friends and they were going crazy. Like, you're, you know, are you OK? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. What's wrong? And like they were just panicking, panicking about that. And then like suddenly it was on Twitter and it became the third biggest trend in the United States. Right. It was uh, the number one trend in Brazil, trending in 30 countries. But how did the trend get started? How did people get to think that you were dead? Well, I literally didn't say anything because I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to speak to Instagram, um, you know, because I have an Instagram account. And I was just trying to speak to them and figure it out. And during that process, like, it spread like wildfire on Twitter. And uh, everyone was, like, saying horrible things like, oh, you faked your own death for attention. Because, like, you know, people always say to me, oh, he's just doing it for attention, which I don't. You know, I just share my life. But like when when people said that, I was like, this is really bad, you know, because, uh, you know, these haters are trying to spread this message about me that's not true. And then I've got my family and friends concerned about me. Like, it's not a it's not a thing you joke about. Sure. You know? Of course. You know, people joking about something. That's just one thing you don't talk about and joke. You know, it's funny. Uh, a story that we did the other day was the dispute that's going on between Kim Kardashian and her estranged mm. husband, Kanye West about whether or not their eight-year-old daughter should be able to go on TikTok. Kim Kardashian says that this is her way of uh, expressing herself, and she's monitoring it to make sure that uh, she's not doing anything harmful. Kanye West seems to take an opposite view. What's your view? As somebody that's sort of a social media star yourself, do you think eight years old is an appropriate age to be expressing yourself on TikTok? I think it's very harmful to have children on social media. I think, you know, they shouldn't be on social media until they're like 16, 18, because it's really? It, it really has a detrimental effect. You know, you get uh, kids going on there, and if it's not monitored by their parents, they can get hate comments. And, you know, some children have in the past committed suicide based on uh, comments and abuse they've received online, which is... Uh, Completely unacceptable. And a lot of um, social media, they don't actually have checks in place for identification. Hmm. So anyone can sign up, you know, anyone can sign up. So, like, I think they need to introduce something where you have to have some kind of proof of age and, you know, have some kind of limit, whether it's 13, whether it's 16, you know. Uh, I just think it's 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 a dangerous place for kids. You know, there's a lot of um, abusive things on there. There's uh, predators on there and stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's not a positive place. It, when I was promoting your appearance today, and I'm uh, thrilled that you were able to come in studio, uh, a few people different emailed me that had seen you on Dr. Phil mm -hmm. or had seen you on the documentary series Botched. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was one common word that a number of people used in describing you, and that was the word troubled. Uh, do you feel that you're a troubled person or do you feel that your your outlook uh, psychologically and mentally is a healthy one? I mean, I admit that I'm kind of crazy. Like, I'll go with that. But I'm um, troubled. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, maybe I have issues, identity issues, but uh, I don't feel troubled. You know, I'm super happy. I just feel like everything I've done has given me confidence to be happy and to succeed. And, you know, happiness is the key to life. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's trouble. All of these things I've done is to make myself happy and to promote Korean culture. But, uh, you know, I've, of course, I have maybe some 
maybe I'll admit it here, world exclusive, that I have an addiction plastic surgery, maybe. But, um, you know, I, I'm very grounded. I'm, like, super down to earth. I'm super, like, chilled out. And uh, I wouldn't say trouble. I would, you know, I'd take the word crazy. That's That's cool. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I've been called worse. And I, I would call myself <laughs> Me crazy. Too. Now you're you're in town for you're in New York for uh, for Fashion Week. How's Fashion Week been going? What have you been doing since you've been in town for Fashion it's Week? It's been so busy. Obviously, this season's not as big as uh, September because of COVID and stuff. And it's also really cold in New York right now. Mm. It's like icy cold, so it's kind of hard to be stylish and fashionable. But um, I've gone to quite a lot of shows. And my favorite was uh, Frederick Anderson, who's a friend of mine. He's a women's wear designer, and his collection was just stunning. And then I've been to uh, several Korean designers. Um, I went to an amazing Korean show last night. The singer Ava Max was there. There was a lot of um, people there, and it was just incredible. Then today I went to uh, an Asian designer showcase. It was six different mm-hmm. uh, Asian designers, um, and I spoke with all the designers. Um, I'm filming my new German TV series on RTL. So they're following me around the world, doing different things. Congratulations. So, that's great. Yeah, thank you. Um, I don't speak German, but they, they, they dub, dub my voiceover and stuff. But, um, yeah, so we interviewed designers, um, met the models and stuff, looked at the outfits and it's been really fun. It's been hectic, but, um, fun. Now you're also on cameo. So if people want to g- get you for a cameo to give a birthday greeting or a, an anniversary greeting, they could find you on cameo Just search Ollie London on Cameo. Right. Or yeah, my um, cameo is cameo.com slash London Ollie. And you know, I can do birthdays. Uh, I can roast people. Sometimes people like me to roast them or to sing, you know, I don't have the best voice in the world, but like, I get asked to sing Christmas in Korea literally every I day. I can imagine. And it's bizarre. It's like a Christmas song, but yeah. So I, I, my, I mean, my cameo is very, very good. It's the third most, uh, popular celebrity in the uk uh for the uk market and stuff and have so many u.s requests so yeah are you are you on there I, yeah. I, i'm not yeah. i'm not no. i, I have i don't I feel like nobody would want my uh, i, I my think cameos. you would get a lot of bookings frank honestly yeah really yeah. so yeah. hey so you've lived in the uk you've mm-hmm. lived in los angeles you've lived in mm-hmm. south korea mm-hmm. what would you say are the key cultural differences between living in each of those three places um so if you've never been to asia it's a little bit of a culture shock when you go there um, you know, everything is like very fast. The technology, like you'll be on the subway system and you'll see these instead of like just a paper billboard, it's like this TV and it goes super, super fast. So like it's, it's very fast and it's kind of exhausting when you first go there. Cause like you have so many essential things, the eyes, the smell of the food and stuff. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit of a culture shock when you go there, but once you get used to living there, it just becomes incredible. So it's an amazing place. Um, America, like I love America. It's like, it's, it's my, Korea is my favorite country, but um, I love America so much. I just think America is so diverse and you've got such everyone's so nice. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, they certainly are. Like, yeah. Sometimes yeah. on social media they're not, but in real life they tend to <laughs> Everyone be. Everyone in real life is always nice. Uh, it's like, yeah. So if, if people want to follow you, what you're doing musically, or they want to see what happens with the 21st surgery, the best place <laughs> to do that is on Instagram or, or, or yeah. where else? Yeah, so I do have a 21st surgery. It's, the, um, it's coming up, I think, next month. But oh, um, I know. Oh, God. Um, yeah, so Instagram is at London Ollie, and then TikTok is at Ollie London. Then, yeah, YouTube, uh, Ollie London, that's just for all the music, and you guys can sing along to Christmas in Korea. Absolutely. <laughs> Ollie London, it's a real treat to have you in studio. I'll look forward to seeing you the next time you're in New York. Definitely. Real pleasure. Thank you so much, Frank.